All right, so today this is our last panel. Um, as you can see, the crowd really turned out for this one. It's really dope. Uh, this one is called Sustaining Sustainability, and basically I wanted to have some people uh, who have really been in this industry for a long time. Uh, for me, everyone who, who is involved in making stuff is cognizant of what they make and how it affects the earth, but it's one thing to make something really good for the earth. It's another thing to sustain that sustainability, hence the name of this title. So if you made one shirt that helped the earth, it doesn't matter if you can't do it again and do it for multiple seasons and do it for multiple years, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to sustain that sustainability and these three individuals that we're about to bring out uh, couldn't exhibit that any better. Um, so without further ado, let's bring out Mr. Jaden Smith, Heron Preston, and Maya Penn. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you go. You want to let Maya sit in you can take the Yo, yo, yo. It's popping. Yo. Yeah, yeah. Check, check, check. What up? What up? You got your just water right here? Woo! <laughs> um, thank you for coming, guys and ladies. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having us. Um, so I want to talk about the setting that we're sitting in right now. You guys have all done talks. And I think traditionally when you, when you see a talk... Uh, usually we're on a stage, we're like 100 feet away from the audience, but I deliberately wanted to create a talk that was of the people, and we are right up on the people. You know, basically what I wanted to recreate was like a conference room setting, so we even have like our little hype fest office mugs and stuff, yeah. you know, which are only Good for touch. speakers. Only for Good speakers. touch. Thank you. Um, and, you, you know, you even got the charts. We have the financial chart on the wow. wall. <laughs> wow. So you're sitting in a conference room. We're, in, we're having a meeting. We're just, we're just talking about, you know, the topic at hand. And everyone here is just attending our meeting. They even have employee ID badges that they got when they came in, you know. Wow. So, like, people have their, their employee badges. And they're part of the meeting as well. So after we finish talking, uh, we're going to open it up to audience Q&A. And I want to have that sort of back-and-forth conversation. All right. So what we're talking about right now is uh, sustaining sustainability. And before we get too far into it, can you guys just quickly introduce yourselves for those who don't know? You want to start? Hi, I'm Heron Preston, um, designer, DJ, creative. Um, and I guess I'm here because I, I did a big project with the Department of Sanitation, um, which inspired me to get involved in a lot more of sustainable practices in fashion. Um, so that's, I guess, what I'll be talking about today. Okay. Go ahead, Maya. Uh, my name is Maya Penn. Uh, I am the CEO and founder of Maya's Ideas, a sustainable fashion brand I started in 2008 when I was actually eight years old. I'm 18 now. Uh, <laughs> I'm also an animator and a filmmaker and author, and I'm really excited to, to be here and to be a part of this um, and to be a part of this important conversation about sustainable fashion and, and how, like what he mentioned, how to sustain a, a sustainable business, uh, eco-fashion business. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jaden Smith, um, and I'm here today to definitely talk about sustainability, like we were talking about, and how to sustain a, a business. Um, and I just actually released a collection with G-Star that's actually a whoa. very, whoa! Uh, <laughs> it's actually a Cradle to Cradle certified collection, and I wanted to partner with G-Star because of how innovative they are with the sustainability when it comes to denim and water conservation. So. I guess that's what I'll be talking about today as well. You mentioned first and foremost the word, the term cradle to cradle. Yes. Right? Can yes. you can you both have actually had experience with cradle to cradle? Can you just define and explain what that means? Well, that's pretty much a certification like you would get a USDA organic certification or any other types of certifications. A company that goes through and looks at every step-to-step -step process of what you're doing, of how you're creating it and how it's going to affect you, how it's going to affect the environment, how much CO2 emissions that's going to create, how much dye, how much water, mm -hmm. um, how it, much you energy. You get audited basically. And you, you pretty much get audited and they go through every step, every process and they make sure that every part of it is as efficient as it possibly could be yeah. and that it's living up to the standards that you are saying and to the CO2 admission levels that you're trying to be under or the water um, that you're trying to be under mm -hmm. in energy. And if you hit all of those different check marks on every step of everything, then you can get the certification. Got you. And so this collection you're doing is cradle to cradle certified. Yes, and, and it's actually as far as G-Star has ever pushed the technology since the beginning of earlier this year. Wow. In this collection, yeah. And Heron, I think you just got it as well. 
Yeah, I just got an organic certification for all of my um, cotton. I use I use a lot of cotton in, in my collections from t-shirts to hoodies, and cotton is a very thirsty plant. Um, <laughs> so, um, so I was, you know, really interested in... in um, approaching it from like raw materials and material stage at the very beginning of the life cycle of a product, which is where the most impact is created with materials. And so just recently, um, I just got certified as well. Nice. Congrats. Um, so I wanted to kick things off first with the, um, obviously everyone knows like when you make something and put it out into earth, it has some sort of a footprint, right? But wh I want to ask you guys individually the whys. You know, you f I think first you probably wanted to create something, and then you had to think about, well, why and how should I consider how that's made? So when did it dawn on you that if I'm going to make something, it has to be sustainable? Was it from the get, or was it a little bit later on? Well, for me, it was... I mean, it all started with, like... A friend of mine, a mentor of mine, challenging me to apply my design and innovation to a wicked issue. And at the time, he asked me um, what you were interested in. Um, I didn't really know. I hadn't really challenged myself on like wicked issues in the world and how I wanted to incorporate that into my business practice. But one day, I was, you know, that, so that question kind of plagued me. Was in the back of my head, like, what is it that I care about? Um, and what I was kind of issues. Did you say wicked? Wicked, wicked issues. Wicked as in like evil. Wick, wicked. Well, so he was working on a project in healthcare, uh -huh. the healthcare industry, and and he was explaining how that could use a lot of improvements. Yeah. Um. So he's like, yeah, wicked issues like healthcare. They could they could use a lot of the, your help. Right. You know, you come from the art world, the design world. Right. We could use a lot of your help in healthcare. And I was like, well, I don't think I really care that much about healthcare, but <laughs> I know I do care about wicked a wicked issue. I know I care about something in the world. So I was on a beach one day, and um, a bunch of kids had just left, and it just littered the whole beach. They just left a bunch of, like, red Solo cups in the sand. And at that moment, I was like, I think it's the environment uh -huh. that I care about. It, 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 I hate dirty beaches. And I went swimming, and then, like, this plastic bag was floating in my direction. And I thought it was, like, a jellyfish. But once I, re once I realized it was garbage, I yeah. was like, wait a minute, this is the wicked issue that I care about. It's the environment. And right. then that's kind of where it all started. Okay. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like, it's the environment. What can I do when I go back home um, to kick off this project on the environment? And I was like, I want to help clean up beaches. I want to work with the Department of Sanitation. Like that, all those stars kind of aligned that day on the beach. Nice. They have don't litter printed on their trucks. They wear streetwear, like they have yeah. tees and they wear dickies and they wear Timberlands and I wear that stuff too. So I saw a lot of similarities in like their fashion, their uniform, but also in aligning with my values and, and what I care about in the environment. So that's right. kind of how it all happened. Maya, how about you? I mean, you were what, seven years old when you <laughs> wrote your business plan? <laughs> yeah, so um, I really, I've always had a passion for art and design, including fashion design, and um, I've always also been in a household that had that little, you know, underlying eco-conscious thing, like, you know, make sure you recycle, or, you know, turn off the lights when you leave the room, and, you know, don't leave the water running if you're not, you know, using it, you know, th just the kind of things that you probably have um, heard before. Um, so I've always been kind of conscious of that. Um, and that's always been something that's important to me and that I've kind of grown on my own and done more research on. Um, and so when I started really getting into fashion design, I started kind of getting curious about, you know, are there some, is there some sort of environmental impact, um, you know, related to fashion? Because what I've learned is that really everything we do in, in every waking moment has some sort of impact on the environment, whether it's good or bad. Um, and so I just really started doing a lot of research, um, and I started uh, discovering, you know, crazy, crazy um, information statistics. Um, the fashion industry is actually considered the second largest polluter of the environment, only second to oil, which is really, it still boggles my mind to think about. Um, and so I think that it really just came from a place of, you know, once you are, you know, are educated on it and you, you know what the issue is, you're like, well, it's almost seems like common sense, you right. know, to, to go for that. And, you know, what's really interesting is that uh, I talk to a lot of people that live a kind of green, conscious kind of lifestyle. They might eat organic. They might drive, um, you know, a fuel-efficient car or, or, you know, or whatever, whatever it is. Um, they might recycle. 
And then I'll ask them, so, well, what's in your wardrobe? And then it's just like a light bulb goes off in their head. Like, they've never thought of that. And it's, it's really crazy mm-hmm. how much there's a lack of a, a connection right. between fashion and the environment and how it really directly relates to a lot of the crazy issues that we're seeing now, like uh, climate change. And it's like, this is burning over here. This is flooded over here. This is, there's a blizzard over here. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really still mind-blowing to me to think about how much what we wear has, has a direct, effect, yeah. a direct uh, a impact um, to that. Right. So it was really just from, of course, a passion of art and design, mm-hmm. you know, and, and making and showing people that, you know, you can make something that's still aesthetically pleasing and looks awesome, but it can still be sustainable. You know, sometimes when you talk about sustainable fashion, people think you have to wear like a burlap potato sack or something like that. <laughs> um, but it's really so much deeper than that. And there's, it's really an exciting time to be in eco fashion because there's so much innovation uh, being made, like biofabrication and lots of other cool innovation technical that's stuff. Happening. Yeah, yeah that, that's really, I'm really excited to kind of be a part. That's um, dope. And you have, a, you have a long runway to go, so that's, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, Jaden, we did a talk recently in Vegas, and you have a similar beach story, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, water is the thing. There's more water on this planet than there's, like, anything else, you know. They really kind of call it, like, the water planet because the majority of it is water. And I feel like that's the way that we can really connect with nature in a way mm. that's extremely personal, yeah. you know, through the water. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when you started, I mean, Just Water and this project for G-Star, was it more about, like, let me create something dope that I want to wear or let me do something positive for the earth first? Like, which was the, the prerogative? I mean, you always kind of have to think about both simultaneously, mm-hmm. you know? And if you have one idea before the other, then you have to include the other side of it when you're pushing the idea forward, you know? Yeah. So I, I knew that I liked the way that the pants looked when they were, like, ripped and, like, chopped up. And I knew that that was my vibe. But I feel like... I want to push that type of vibe to the rest of the world because I want people to get used to seeing somebody that's wearing something ripped up or a shirt that's half-stitched or, you know, a hoodie sleeve that's really a flannel, you know what I'm saying, or something like that because the future of the world has to be cut and chopped up like that. Mm -hmm. And with this collection, like you were saying, there's such a far distance between fashion and from the environment, I kind of wanted to bring the feeling and the understanding and the visuals of the environment into the collection. That's why the collection is all like waterfalls. I want people to think about the water or think about the way that they're connecting with nature when they're wearing it yeah. or when they're buying it. You know, the, the other pieces in eclipse, you right. know, of like the sun setting and then the other pieces like a landscape with just sand and animals. And I mm-hmm. want to put these types of things on clothes to make people think about clothes is all like to, when they're wearing the clothes to think about the environment yeah you know so that when they're wearing these pants it's like oh wow i'm thinking about this waterfall or whatever da 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 right and also you can think about oh but g-star also with the water conservation of their factories and how they yeah, do just it just to and remind you it. you know what i'm saying yeah. to remind you but all just to have the all over theme of the environment because i also love to just go out and just be in it and just be in nature yeah. and be around it i actually asked you backstage if you customize these yourself yeah but that's the way they come. No, this is the way they come. And because it comes from a sample that I made myself where I did the seams inside out because I'm not that good at sewing. And I left the creases out and I did all these things and I cut up the jeans in a specific way. And yeah. I was like, but I actually want to make it like that. Right. You know, and G-Star was just able to really perfect it yeah, you know, yeah. in the way that it can actually be acceptable. Right. You know? That's dope. All right. <laughs> um, Going back to you, Heron, so, like, the next thing I want to talk about is sustaining that sustainability, right? So you have this idea that you want to do something that, that helps the environment now, and you're starting a new brand. Is the runway sort of something that you're thinking about? Like, how long and, like, how sustainable can I make this business from, like, an actual financial sort of business standpoint? Or were you just like, I'm just going to create and not think about the next season? Um, it... I think it was, I think as I started to kind of, you know, educate myself more and more and more, I think some, lo- some longer term planning started to get incorporated um, into, you know, my strategy behind the collections. But at first, it was baby steps. Yeah. Um, because this is an in- extremely kind of complex world and complex problem that, you know, a lot of people don't, re- don't really know about, don't really know how to approach it or help change the problem. Mm-hmm. So, for, for example, someone like me, I was like, well, I know the basics between what's right and what's wrong. You know, my, my parents raised me to, like, recycle and throw your garbage away, don't litter, blah, 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 blah. And so, 
you know, when I started to jump into the DSNY project, I knew that using secondhand clothing and, and um, <clears throat> you know, old uniforms was um, a way of, like, recycling. I had no idea that there was a term called upcycling just up mm -hmm. to two years ago when I was doing this DSNY project. You yeah. know, I was doing all this stuff not knowing what it was even called. Right. So it was just kind of, like, instinct, like, naturally kind of just knowing what was right and what's wrong. And then, uh, then eventually... You know, that led me into learning more and educating myself. And, you know, I did an internship at Eileen Fisher where I spent a whole week at her tiny factory up in Irvington, New York, just learning wow. about her, you know, her whole circularity by design practice mm -hmm. and, you know, her net positivity practice and just trying to wrap my head around, you know, how the greats like her and Patagonia are the most like dedicated to this type of work. Yeah. So it's like baby steps, just like little by little educating yourself. And then once you get that knowledge and that information, you start to incorporate that into like longer term right. planning. Was it hard to convince the, by the way, DSNY, for those who don't know, is the Department of Sanitation of New York. So it's the, the organization that, or, that handles all the garbage trucks yeah, and garbage. Yeah, waste men, management. Which um, is usually not associated with fashion or streetwear at all. So not at how all. did you start that meeting like hey knock on their door well yeah so i was like man this is a waste management company they have no business in fashion are they even going to understand my idea because i wanted to do a t-shirt collaboration with them using all vintage t-shirts i wanted to reprint dsny branding hair and preston branding on these t-shirts and see these this uniform spread across nine thousand workers in new york city um and i thought that was the ultimate collaboration because these dudes are awesome. You know, without them, we wouldn't be able to live in New York City. We would literally die from, like, yellow fever and get all <laughs> these crazy diseases. So um, I thought these guys were the coolest guys in the, in the world. So when I thought about approaching them, I was like, they're not going to get it. They're not going to know what's, what's, what's cool, what's not. So I did some research, and I actually learned that they have an artist in residency named Miro Ukulele, who's been their artist in residency since the late 70s. Um, and when I learned about her work, um, like Touch Sanitation, for example, um, that she did back in like 79, 80, where she shook the hands of every sanitation worker in New York City. And as she shook their hands, she said, thank you for keeping New York City alive. And it was this whole entire art performance on celebrating like maintenance. Um, and she looked at New York City as like a human body and the DSNY is like a heart. And there's, mm -hmm. there's like 2,000 trucks that go in and out of the city every day and they never stop. Yeah. And imagine if they were to stop. Which has happened in history. You know, like with strikes and stuff, fucks right? Fucks the whole city yeah, up. Yeah, it fucks the whole city up. So she was celebrating that. And so her work really inspired me to really go and approach the Department of Sanitation with my project, with my, with my idea, because I knew that they had an artist in residency, they've done creative art projects before, so they'll totally get it. And that was... That was kind of what really helped me was, like, her work. Nice. Um, and they totally got it. They had actually been wanting to do something in fashion, surprisingly. They had yeah. wanted to do a fashion show this whole time <laughs> that I didn't even know about. So, like, the stars literally aligned with my idea. They called me back the next day, and they were like, let's do this project together. We want to do it. It will tie back to our Zero by 30 initiative, which was kicked off with the mayor's office. Um, New York City has a pledge to send zero waste to landfills by the year 2030. So they wanted to raise awareness around, around that and yeah. educating New Yorkers, like, why do, we re why do we recycle in the first place? Why are we doing all this stuff? Like, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't even know. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, attached the project to that messaging, and we had a whole entire exhibition um, kind of communicating, like, the history of the department relationship with waste management. I showed a bunch of like old uniforms that led you to the back of the salt shed on Spring Street um, in Soho, which is where we had the exhibition. Um, and that led you into the upcycled collection that we created from old sanitation worker uniforms, vintage t-shirts, and like, you know, safety vests that I broke down back into material and, and redesigned into, into um, big, big tote bags. Um, but, yeah, so there was actually little convincing that I had to do with them because, again, they've had an artist in residency for, like, three decades. We've done amazing, amazing work. So you guys should literally, you know, check out her work. Um, I had one of her trucks in the show. It was called The Social Mirror that debuted in 1983, mm -hmm. um, where she had mirrors all around a collection truck. So that was at the entrance of my show. Um, but, again, referencing a lot of her energy um, yeah. really helped get this project off the ground. That's dope. Um, Maya, when you do your business, how focused are you on, like, the business side of things, which is, like, 
you know, the financials, next season, costing versus like the creativity? Because that usually requires like two different sides of the brain. Yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, I speak a lot. Um, it, it's funny. When I do my speaking engagements, it's almost like a half and half between the sustainability and the, and the, and the activism and the creative and the business. Mm-hmm. Um, because I talk a lot about uh, entrepreneurship, especially young entrepreneurship, and how to grow uh, a, a sustainable business, not from an environmental standpoint, but from a uh, from an actual business standpoint, how to grow a business that will, you know, be able to thrive yeah. um, and to grow and how to scale. And I think that it's incredibly important for all creatives and activists, um, if you are going into an area that will require some sort of uh, biz- business knowledge skills, uh, require it's for profit. There's commerce uh, involved. Either you know you do the research and figure it out, or get a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's where a lot of amazing ideas sometimes can fall short and and not hit the mark that you know said creators um, are were initially looking for. Um, it's really really important. Uh, I. I learned everything hands-on. Yeah. I, I really did not start with uh, a business plan, mm-hmm. and my business really just uh, grew from the standpoint of how unique um, what I was doing was, yeah. especially in, in 2008, not only just from a sustainable fashion standpoint, but this is also during a time where words like kidpreneur and teenpreneur, like you might have heard some of those little phrases mm-hmm. around, they didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I completely I, agree with you, though. But yeah, but I, you know, I had to spend a lot of time, you know, learning hands-on about branding, marketing, uh, stay engaged with your audience and your customers, and you know, figuring out what what their wants and, and needs are, and what they're looking to see and looking forward to see from your brand, um, and managing financials, all of that that comes with business. And yeah, it's definitely the 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 creativity. Um, part was the meat. This was the reason I started. Mm-hmm. You know, it was the the love of art and the love of design. That's the reason why I started. And the environmental thing, you know, kind of tied into that as I was starting up. But um, it's absolutely, you know, a major part. You know, yeah. Um, because, like what you just said, I mean, and like what I just mentioned, there are so many amazing ideas that uh, that are created every day. But you have to make sure you have a set plan um, and a strategy and an, an evolving strategy for how you can get that idea to grow into scale and to um, get to more people um, and to, to keep growing that. And that's another thing, too. Being an entrepreneur um, and a CEO, I've learned that you kind of have to evolve and grow with your company. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to those next levels, you kind of have to recalibrate how you run your business. Yeah. So I think having that kind of uh, entrepreneurial adaptability and also still staying true to the core um, of why, um, you know, like the sustain- sustainability practices, for example. Yep. I mean, those are definitely really important to have, both of those elements, and I do practice yeah. those. I agree. Um, if, you're, if you're a creative and you don't take care of the business side of things, you're basically opening yourself up to, like, getting screwed over. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know it's not usually the thing that we want to know about, like contracts and legal and stuff, yeah. but the more you know, the less likely you're going to get had. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to, I mean, it might not be like the fun, you know, side of it, but I mean, it will get you the results that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what's really important. And, yeah. you know, when you ha- put so much passion into something and, you know, you want to really see it grow and you have an important mission and a message, like what, um, like, but you were just saying about how you found what it is that you cared about, and everybody has something that they care about, yeah. you know. Um, everybody has something they care about, and even with environmental issues, there are so many different sectors. Mm-hmm. You might find that one area, whether it be ocean, you know, and ocean pollution, or be sustainable fashion, everybody has something they care about, and when you start working towards those goals, you want to make an impact and a difference, and when you're going into business with those ideas and those in yeah. those goals, it's important to really have that, that foundation or to start learning about that. Right. Or, to, like I said, to partner with somebody, find mentors. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever it takes, because it's definitely really important. Definitely. Jaden, um, you're like a Swiss army knife of businesses, right? You act, music, fashion. I mean, like, so, I can't even name all the different things. 
when you start like a water company or you do this collaboration with G-Star, are you cognizant? cognizant of all the different tools that you have at your disposal or do you try to actually separate it um i try to actually separate it sometimes really? where i'm like you know i'm just focused on this right now where like you know i could like you know make a, make song, a song about, about it. it yeah yeah <laughs> but no i'm just gonna focus on this right now like sometimes it's time for that but sometimes it's like you know i'm really gonna just focus on this hone in on this and you know uh-huh kind of follow this fully all the way through yeah. because I feel like you kind of have to give your all to things when you really want them to work out, especially when the odds are against you sometimes. If people don't want it to be a success, you kind of have to really put your all into it and be like, no, I'm just going to focus on this or on right. this. You know, right, right, you right. Just, you know, you take time. Like, you just have to time management. Like, two weeks, I'm just doing this, you know, I was about month. to ask about your time management. How do you manage all of the different projects you're involved in? Like, when you are about to do a film or about to make an album... Is it then like, all right, I, I can't work on like a fashion project during those moments? Yes, yeah. Okay, so yeah. you really focus. Yeah, you really have to focus when you're doing things like that. I mean, um, yeah, you really do. You so how to... long did this particular project take from the moment you first met G-Star or like first thought of the collaboration till today when it dropped? Um, it's been a little bit over a year. You know, since we've just been working it out, getting the designs right and going back and forth and then rolling out to production. And then I actually directed a um, kind of like a teaser trailer for the collection that's going to uh -huh. come out. I think going to release on my Instagram soon. And it's really cool. Do you control your own Instagram? Uh, yeah, I do. Wow. Nice. You can't tell? <laughs> I can't. You know, you might have a great marketing person. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about the future now. So. You guys are sort of obviously like all very influential in your circles and what you're doing has like this butterfly effect for the people who look up to you, right? Do you think that or do you hope that what you're doing now is going to like spawn the next generation of like even better, more, you know, like amazing designers that do this? Like, is that the goal in this? Yeah, it's definitely the goal in this. Um, I'm thinking about back to a conversation I had with Eileen Fisher, and she was telling me about how she wants to be 100% sustainable in her company by, like, the year 2020. And she was talking to a journalist, and he was asking her, I was like, cool, so what happens once you get to 100% sustainability? Then what? Mm -hmm. And she's like... I'm done. <laughs> That's not it. Yeah. Everyone has to get to 100% sustainability. Right. We have to educate each other. We have to inform each other on how to do it. Yeah. Because it's not just one person's job. Mm -hmm. You know, it's everyone's, it's everyone's job. It's yeah. the whole entire world's job. So, and that's why I wanted to take on the challenge with doing this project with the Department of Sanitation. And then, you know, hopefully take on that challenge to make it cool. Because yeah. before, you know, I had taken that leap to work with them, a lot of this conversations that were happening, communication, was like not that sexy, it wasn't that cool, and there weren't really that awesome, that many awesome people speaking to it. So yeah. I was like, I want to be responsible for helping change the world and using my power in art and fashion and design and all of my connections to help inspire, you know, the next generation in my community around me. Um, you know, we, 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 we make a lot of clothes. Mm -hmm. You know, we suffer from excess. I mean, if you look in your closets, I'm sure there's stuff you don't even wear anymore. And it's just sitting there. Um, so, you know, that's also something I think I'm also really interested in is, like, the end of the life of the cycle of clothing. Like, yeah. where does it all go? And what do we do with it? And are we making too much? And how do we cherish clothes like we cherish our iPhones? You know, these are all just, like, challenges and questions and ideas that... You know, I have, and 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 hopefully, we, you know, I can continue to incorporate these challenges yeah. into into what I'm doing, but then inspire everyone right. else around me. You're absolutely right, though. If you have like a hundred designers in a room, and 99 of them are completely sustainable, that one dude left in the room is still fucking up the whole room. Yeah, you yeah. know. So it's like it's everyone's job it's, to like yeah. help everyone it's else. It's everyone's job, yeah. and yeah, baby steps, and just learning little by little by little, and eventually you know, you'll get to expert expert status. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, you just have to... You know, we're talking about, like, nature and developing relationship with nature. Like, that's that's where it all started, uh, at least with me, you know? Yeah. And if you think about it, all of this stuff comes from nature. Right. You know, I know some of... Some people who work in sustainability who spend all of their time on farms, you know, yeah. they're just talking to farmers all day and, mm -hmm. and spending time on cotton fields. And, like, if you think about, like, in that way... Um, I think that'll start to help you get in, in, involved yeah. and interested in this type of work. Word. So 
Maya, you arguably are the future, right? You're like sitting here, you are that generation right now. Um, how do you feel about it going in? Like, what do your friends and, and, you know, cohorts think about this? Like, are you the only one in your circle that's on this tip and on this level, or is everyone on this vibe? Well, what's so interesting is that I think we've really seen um, a huge surge in young people, whether it be millennial, Gen Z, whatever, um, in activism, you know, getting out, getting out in the world and, and speaking about issues and causes that are really important to them. Um, and I think that right now it's just a matter of education and talking about, um, you know, not only just how the environment, how the, how the planet suffers from these environmental issues, but I think there's a big disconnect with how people suffer from environmental issues as well yeah. and communities um, because I definitely see that young people, including myself, are really focused on you know, humanitarian and community issues. Yeah, humanitarian and uh, community issues, uh, which is definitely incredibly important, but they don't see how the environment actually uh, directly impacts that. Them, yeah. um, I mean, I, I talk a lot about, and people don't make this connection, of how uh, a lot of communities of color um, and, and minority communities actually have the have it the, the worst with a lot of these environmental disasters. I mean, you see with Puerto Rico, um, like water pollution in Flint, Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, I think it's really important to, to educate uh, young people on the different sectors of how they contribute and, and how the, uh, these issues impact people. Um, but I'm definitely, you know, definitely really excited uh, and hopeful because what's really interesting in, in doing everything that I do, a lot of the people, a lot of my friends are also like 18, 19, 20, 17, 16, and kind of doing like, like the same thing that I'm doing in a sense of, as far as environmental activism or just activism in general. Because um, I've been able, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of awesome young people who are um, making a, a difference. Yeah. Um, but. I think something that I see that shows up a lot, because I also speak to a lot of um, schools, colleges, um, youth organizations, and something that I tend to notice is that I think when you're really young, and I mean, this, this happens to anybody, there's actually a, a new phrase that's been coined. It's called eco-anxiety. You can look it up. It's a, it's, a, it's a word now. It's out there. And I think we've all experienced it. You know, we see all the stuff that's happening to our Earth and to our planet. And you just, it's just this wave of anxiety comes over to you and you, then you just kind of block it out and try to forget everything you just saw because it's so stressful. Yeah. And you feel like... There's like no solution, right? There's, you feel like there's no solution. What can I do? And that goes for everybody, but especially being young, you know, it's easy to feel like, you know, there's somebody who is older than me, has more experience than me, has more resources, more money, more power, more influence, etc than me, how can I make a difference? I'm just one drop in the bucket. And the thing is, is that every drop in the bucket still creates a ripple effect mm -hmm. uh, in some way. And it takes all of us. You know, we, we hear people that you have to be the change you want to see in the world, but that's, that's the truth. You can't just kind of let this pass you by and, okay, this person's got it, this organization's doing this, this activist is doing this over yeah. here. No, you're still a part of it, right. you know? And you're still either hurting or helping every day. Um, by the actions and the steps that you take every day. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be anything huge. You don't have to start a fashion line. You don't have to start a nonprofit or a whole initiative. You know, it can just be educating people, putting out a fact about, you know, the fashion industry pollutes uh, such and such and such and such, or um, just donating or volunteering with organizations um, that are, you know, related to the causes that you care about. Yeah. Um, so I think that... Um, I, I know that young people are definitely in the right direction, but it's just really now about the education and eliminating the anxiety and saying, hey, we just, if we all just take baby steps, the world will just totally look different. Right, you know? like 1% change, that's Yeah, it. just 1% one, one change, it can change the whole world. Yeah. Jaden, you're like such an icon to so many young people, and you're always like preaching the good word, right? Do you notice something similar where like people have almost like eco anxiety, like she was saying, like they're just like, what can I actually do, dude? Like, yeah, yeah, I do run into a lot of young people nowadays who watch like too many like 
you know, there's a lot of videos of just crazy things happening, whether it's like tsunami or like streets being flooded, which is like really, it is really scary. Um, but yeah, I, I do run into a lot of people these days who have eco anxiety. What do you who, tell them? Like, um, I have it too. I'm like, yeah, hey, good to, <laughs> good to see you. Um, but um, no, I feel the same way because I, I just met with Al Gore not too long ago and he was just showing like a million and one videos of like streets flooding just like all over the world, like in the U.S., outside of the U.S., just streets like you know, like corner stores being like completely submerged underwater and the water's just running down the yeah. street and people are taking the videos from the top and like people's cars are getting swept in it or like just hearing about these like, I don't know, they call them like, I don't know, like sky tsunamis or whatever where like so much rain comes yeah. down from the sky in like a short amount of time or like it was like a few weeks of Niagara Falls worth of water came down on Houston in a matter of like 24 hours and that was like what? un like un like just heard of so yeah. like, I definitely connect with people getting that anxiety but like you said every drop in the bucket does make a ripple and if you connect with other like minded people like exactly what we're doing right now and have conversations about it you can really link and build and push it forward yeah. you know in a way to where you can say hey I'm doing this you're doing this like you can really collab with people to really make a difference and to get your idea across yeah. in, in more of an effective way so when that anxiety hits you does it just drive you more to do more with everything at your disposal or you 100% you okay. know it, it makes me just want to keep going and creating more like I want to get creative people together I want to start making like chairs and tables out of recycled plastic I told you this yeah you know what I'm saying but like I want to get you know like get with other creatives like if we came together and we we're like oh we're going to make a recycled chair recycled plastic you know table mm -hmm. or me and Heron are coming together we're like yo we're going to make these new tables yeah we're going to make these new chairs these new like basic sets of like really like the flyest thing that you could think of right but it's also made out of recycled plastic you know i have yeah. this i have this go. thing on my wrist this little thing this is made out of like all ocean plastic and it's all trash uh -huh. but it comes out being clear so you can take trash and mold it and make it look white black red gray clear yeah. whichever way people think oh it's trash it's dirty you can't do anything with it but no still that raw material you can't take it you can melt it down and you can create new things out of it yeah you mentioned a very key word which is being fly yes and i think that like you can't just make amazing stuff for the earth and then put it out there but everyone's like that's whack i don't want it like you have to make it fly still right and that's and that's the part where the collaboration comes from you mm -hmm. know i might have the idea of being like oh i want to make something out of recycled plastic i want to make tables i want to make chairs but then now i have to reach out as a creative or a collaborator and be like oh, okay now heron i really want to collaborate with you on this if you design it you can make it look fly yeah i have this like sustainable idea but you're going to be the one to make it look tight and then heron's like oh, okay cool i'm gonna put the finesse on it then it drops and it's like it's crazy it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm like <laughs> yeah. Yesterday we had um, Matt Williams from Elix on, and he was talking about the packaging for his clothing line. Yeah. He said it, his packaging either falls into one or two categories. Either one, it's 100% recyclable and closed loop, or two, it's so off-the-cuff fly that you would never want to throw it away. It's like a right. $1,000 yeah. yeah. poly bag yeah. Yeah. You know, that you will just keep forever. So I love that like duality. Yeah, that, that was something I also wanted to do with Nike, which is what we kind of approached it in that way was was this idea of wearable packaging uh -huh. because i always throw my packaging away and it just creates a lot of like trash everywhere so i was like what can we do that's like awesome that yeah. you don't want to throw it away and so we designed these bags for these these performance this performance eyewear that i'm working on with them but the whole the whole idea was like wearable wearable packaging yeah. and and how do we you know <clears throat> keep that stuff instead of throwing it away because or, we have to use it, you know? We don't want our products to get damaged when we ship them around the world. Now, I didn't want to do any packaging at all, mm -hmm. but my partners were like, dude, that's crazy. Like, the retailers won't accept your products without any, like, poly bags or anything. Yeah. So that's something that we can't really get around, so how do you kind of rethink and, and approach it a, a little differently? Right. All right. So I want to open it up to audience Q&A now real quick. We have microphone runners as well, and um, so... They're coming up right now. Uh, let's start over here. Yeah, standing up with the floral shirt. Hello, uh, Andrew Davis from Houston, Texas with K-True Radio from Rice University. Uh, I just had a question for the panel. I'm noticing you all are, uh, well, we're, we're addressing sustaining sustainability. Um, notice that you all are big on recycling. I wonder if 
with the um, collaborations that you all are doing, have you all looked into businesses as far as like clothing businesses that also support recycling in the fashion, something like, i.e. like a Goodwill where you could bring your clothes in and would you all be able to see your product inside of a place like a Goodwill? That's or very like interesting. A, very great like question. Um, well, I mean, I, I worked with the Goodwill um, on the Department Sanitation Project because they have a program here in New York City called Refashion NYC where they put bins in apartment buildings around New York just like a recycling a recycling bin and these bins are for, for clothes. Um, so we so I went to their warehouses and I curated a bunch of t-shirts, vintage t-shirts that they donated um, to the project. Um, but I kind of forget what the question was. Just, I just love the I, I love the idea of like could, are you asking? Like, could, could you I, see your product inside of a Goodwill? Um, I mean, yeah. If, I mean, I'd rather it, I'd rather someone donate my clothing um, instead of throwing it away, because <laughs> that's where Goodwill goes. Yeah, but we're, I like the idea of just putting a spin on where you normally get like trash clothing, but then you put something dope in there. That could be an interesting idea. Or like releasing a collection in Goodwill would be crazy. Yeah, like never before yes. seen. Oh, okay. Oh, he's okay. gonna he's gonna call Goodwill right after. <laughs> <laughs> put the put a note in. Yeah. All right. Uh, Do we have another question over here? Uh, the lady over here in the army green. Hi. Do you guys have any advice for young entrepreneurs wanting to start their own business but do it in a sustainable way? Any advice for a young entrepreneur just trying to start a sustainable business? Um, well, my advice would be to, I mean, I'm sure you already have done this, but uh, I'll just give several pieces of advice. First is uh, do your research. Uh, absolutely. There are, like I said, it's, it's such an exciting time to be in sustainability now because uh, it, it's really becoming uh, a selling point in a sense um, for a lot of companies. A lot of people are looking into it. A lot of investors are investing in it. Um, so it's definitely a really good time to be in the sustainable uh, fields, but um, definitely do a lot of research. Um, figure out the ways that, uh, figure out either who you can reach out to, uh, whether it be just mentors, partners, um, or uh, just really kind of build uh, some connections um, to start trying to get a lay of, what would be the best steps for you to take right now? Um, so, of course, doing research not only in the field and what opportunities are popping up for sustainability within said field, but also looking for um, mentors or uh, people that not, maybe not just even in sustainability, um, but also just in business period uh, mm -hmm. to be able to help you say, okay, well, this is here are some resources that might be able to get you started. Um, and then also to, uh, you know, really utilize all of your platforms. Um, I think that now more than ever, there's kind of uh, no excuse for anybody because we have stuff like social media and, you know, information and, and news spread so quickly. Figure out, uh, you know, not only how you can get the, the word out in terms of marketing, but how, who you can connect with um, because now a lot of uh, people like influencers are looking to kind of get um, into the, the eco and the green space and are trying to figure out, okay, how can I step into that? Um, and just, you know, approaching people and coming to events like this and making connections, um, definitely really, really important um, as you start kind of building a, a plan. And also, because I've actually, I've done consultation, um, and I do consultation for uh, brands that are either starting up or have started that want to get into sustainable or the sustainability and remember to approach the uh, sustainability factor not only from a um, not only from a product standpoint even though that's one of the kind of main selling points <clears throat> but also from um, how you run your business day-to-day -day operations things like uh, what Harris was just talking about packaging um, think about the different ways you may be able to uh, incorporate sustainability and just kind of incorporate that into your overall plan, even if it's goals for the future. That's been uh, yeah. an overarching theme throughout all the talks that we've been doing is mentorship. And 
we feel like not enough young people are just asking other people, like, how do I do this? You know, like, yeah. you'd be surprised yeah. at how many people are willing to help out. Yeah. 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 You just got to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Find people you really look up to and literally just ask them. You know, that's what I did when I first moved to New York. I had no idea how people were paying their rent <laughs> as a college student here. I was like, how do you guys pay your rent? I see you at La Esquina every night. So I just made mentors and I <laughs> went to their offices and I just spent, you know, a day with them and just yeah. soaked up like a sponge. All right. Any other? Thank you. Where's the mic runner right now? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to see where the hand is connected to. Yes, okay. All right, so, you know, Hype Beast is a genius event, the Hype Fest, and we have major brands that are influential in the world, and we've been talking about how sustainability sort of look like wearing a potato sack or something like that, <laughs> when as long as somebody makes something super fly and it's good for environment, then personally, I feel like right now, sustainability is look, looked at like underground rap, hip hop, but mm. it should analogy. be going mainstream. That's yeah. a good analogy. Right? That's so do you guys see maybe in 10 years, anytime soon, sustainability is uh, on par with Nike, Adidas, and people are showing off their shoes and bragging about how it saves the ocean, but looks flyer than the other person's shoes? That's a great analogy. I definitely... Man. I definitely see that coming, and I feel like Elon Musk has really helped that in every way. I feel like he's been the first, one of the first people to make like a seriously, seriously uh, sustainable alternative, and it's like really the flyest, the yeah. flyest thing. Like people are actually like, I don't care about the environment, but I need this car. Like, and I feel like that's one of the first times that it's. That that's happened, um, that's and why I do see video. that happening more. <laughs> that's why it's like the main character in your video. Yeah, <laughs> that's dope. That's a great analogy. Yeah, we have to make it like so that it's mainstream. Yeah, standard. Like this should just be a standard way of just working, where it's mainstream rap. Yeah, not Tyler Quali. Right <laughs> uh, okay, we don't have a mic. Go ahead. I'll When does sustainability be the norm for luxury houses, and do you guys see yourself being the voice for this cause? This, oh, that's yeah. actually a really great question because um, I was uh, have actually been speaking about that a lot recently. I write for a um, sustainable luxury magazine uh, called Lux. Um, I'm a contributor, um, and I was also a, a judge for the Lux Awards, which is just you know award uh, given to sustainable luxury brands. And um, I think that there's kind of like a weird upside down thing kind of going on when it comes to what the concept of luxury is. And, you know, it really is uh, kind of what's marketed to us and what we believe um, is uh, considered uh, luxury. And there's kind of slowly a shift in that now to where, you know, okay, I would rather buy um, an item that has a lot of, uh, not only is it just uh, awesome and it might be made by you know, my favorite designer, or it might be a collaboration, you know, with an influencer that I really like, but also there's just so much care and time and quality put into it because of the consideration uh, of the environment, and it, that makes it really unique, and that's actually an added value and a, a selling point. That's something that I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely am focused in and interested in uh, and talk about a lot, yeah. Cool. Uh, let's go right here in the front, right under him. Um, hey, I'm from China, uh, Shanghai. I flew like uh, all the way over the ocean for this festival. It's a quite amazing festival. Yeah, and uh, like I have a friend called Brandon uh, Flower here, also has a like uh, fashion wear uh, brand called uh, Election Reform, but it's made. Of like recycling, uh, recycling material, so which is quite interesting. So like I think like young people, no matter no matter from where I mean in the states or from China, Asia, we are like just in the right correction, a uh, direction, as like Maya just mentioned. Yeah. So like this is super super exciting, and uh, I have a question for Jaden because you've got a lot of like fans or followers in China and Asia as well, but we know you more from the you know music or film thing. Like we know little about the just water or like 
other kind of you know really eco-friendly uh, projects. So, do you have any plan or interest in like to bring like this kind of thing concept to Asia or to China to influence people over there? One hundred percent. I definitely want to bring、um, all of these different ideas overseas, and、um, I've actually just been looking for the correct、um, place because we have such. Specific standards of how we bottle the water actually here in upstate New York. So I've been looking for a way that I can bottle the water overseas as well, where I can have a packager and that I can continue to create it in the same exact way. But yes, I absolutely do have plans、and、of I, bringing it. Yeah, thank you. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm, right, we have time I'm for. I'm saying Shahai would be love to link if you know. Like really, really. We need to go to, to China. We should go to China. I'm actually gonna be、yeah. in Shanghai soon, actually. Oh, you are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. So we got a link、cool. and build when I、yep. when I'm out there. All right, one, we have time for one more question.、Uh, who? Where? You have? Okay. So, what do you guys think the best way is to match up sustainability with affordability? Being that most brands or most people shop at Inditex's own brands or Forever Twenty One or H and M, how do we match that fly with the price、yeah. with sustainability? That's a great question. Because to be sustainable or to like live organically, it looks like you have to make twice as much money in order to live that way right now, right? So, how do you think we could bridge that gap between like affordability, accessibility, but also saving the planet at the same time? Um, I think it's just、um, <clears throat> creating more,、uh, not only more interest, for, for interest in a, a few different sectors. You know, sometimes we,、uh, it's a, we rely very heavily on the consumer, which is really important. You know, there are absolutely,、uh, if a lot of consumers that can't afford to make the shift, made the shift that would really make a, a difference. But also,、um, you know, like where the funding. Uh, and where the capital goes, where where investors、uh, put their dollars to、yeah. help grow these brands and to help to keep them,、uh, give them the the ability to make their items more affordable. Because、right. I mean, we're dealing with you know the the fast fashion epidemic right now.、Um, but what's、uh, happening? I, I like to compare the fashion industry to the food industry a lot because、uh-huh. I mean. Uh, and not, not only in terms of just affordability and accessibility, but also in terms of、um, the education, because we basically all know what like vegan, organic, non-GMO, plant-based. Like we we basically all know what that means now,、yeah. and we've all you know come across options that are vegan, organic, so on and so forth.、Um, and it's becoming it is becoming more accessible and more affordable, and and. That's、um, where I th- think the fashion industry is not only st- needs to be headed, but it's kind of starting to go in that direction because of consumer、uh, demand that is, you know, hasn't really increased tenfold.、Um, so it, it's really a lot of different factors to it. But just like what we're seeing with,、uh, you know, healthier food being becoming more accessible and slowly. Even more affordable, the same thing eventually will tie into the, the fashion industry, and it just takes not only consumer demand, but also、um, you know investor、uh, investors and where the money goes, you know being put into、uh, funding these companies and funding these initiatives for sustainability. That's right. You guys can really vote with your dollar, actually. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's all the time we have. I want to give a round of applplause for、yeah. everyone. Thank、there. you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.